I was fortunate, I was blessed to be able to grow up around my paternal grandfather, George Creighton Patterson. Uh, he was born in 1889. He died in 1983. He was the quintessential mountain man. Like many Pattersons, he spent decades and decades and decades up in Clay County, North Carolina, in our mountains, in a place called Shooting Creek, or as they say up there, Shooting Creek. He, like many of my Patterson clan, eventually moved to the Piedmont of North Carolina in order to find work in cotton mills. So he eventually moved to Gaston County where I grew up. I was privileged to spend time with my grandparents there close to where I grew up in Gaston County. And I learned a lot by watching my grandparents. My my grandparents were typical mountain people. They had no formal education, but they knew a lot about life in Christ. They knew a lot about being faithful, godly people. And they knew a lot about the mysteries of life itself. And it was because they were faithful Christians, but secondarily, I think it was because they were consummate gardeners. They always had a large garden, multiple acres when I was growing up. I remember spending time over there as I was growing up and I spent many, many, it seemed like many hours stringing and breaking green beans. Huge garden, but I don't remember a lot coming out of that garden except green beans which is why as a young person, I took a vow. And that vow was if I ever got away from those green beans, I'd never eat another one. And I've pretty much fulfilled that vow in my adult life. I don't have anything against green beans. It's just a matter of principle. I don't want any more green beans. I grew up breaking a lot of green beans because I grew up around my grandfather's garden. But as I look back over the life of my grandfather and my grandmother, I realized that they were very wise people. As a matter of fact, just a few years ago, God gave me a dream. And in that dream, I was back in that farmhouse, which I hadn't been in in decades. I was back in that farmhouse, that simple farmhouse that I knew so well. And in the dream, I discovered a room that I did not know existed. And in that room that I discovered, I learned it was filled with classic theological volumes. Isn't that strange? I think that was God telling me that my simple grandparents were not as simple as I thought they were. They were simple mountain people, no formal education, but they knew a lot about God. They knew a lot about life in Christ. They knew a lot about the mysteries of life. And a big part of that, I believe, was that they were such consummate gardeners. They, they lived close to the land. And I believe that our generation, we've lost something because we no longer live very close 
to the land. I'll make a confession to you. I have great admiration for gardeners. I am definitely not one of them. I don't have that gene at all. I, I am almost completely, nearly, totally incompetent when it comes to growing anything. That's why I've always lived in a, in a home that comes with a church committee to take care of it. Uh, I don't do well with anything that's green. If you give me something that's green, I will quickly see that it dies. But I have great admiration for gardeners. When I look at the scriptures, and I know it's because the biblical world was very much an agricultural world, but I see that they knew a lot about God, life in Christ in the mysteries of life itself, because they lived close to the land. I, I am definitely not a gardener, but I think I know what Jesus is saying here in this text this morning in John chapter 15. Here in John chapter 15, we catch up with Jesus on the night of his betrayal. He has left the upper room with his disciples. I believe he's making his way past the temple precinct, going down through the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane where he will spend this night outside under the stars. And as he passes the temple precinct, they see the temple. And you may or may not know that on the facade of the temple there in Jerusalem in Jesus' day, there was an engraving of a grape vine. Because in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, in several places, a vine symbolizes the people of Israel. I believe they're walking by that engraved vine on the temple when Jesus says to his followers, I am the true vine. I am the true vine, the authentic vine. And my father is the vine grower, the vine dresser, the gardener. And then he goes on to say, he removes every branch in me. Here's where he's talking about us. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed or pruned by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, Jesus says. Just as the branch, he's talking about us, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Not just bear fruit, but bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Not apart from me, you can just do a little or some things. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Certainly nothing of eternal significance, I would even submit that we can do nothing of significance apart from our relationship to Christ. 
Here in the Gospel of John, we find the I am sayings of Jesus. We notice in the Gospel of John that the Gospel really is organized around seven different I am statements from Jesus. In the Gospel of John, we hear Jesus say, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheepfold. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Jesus here in this text says he is the true authentic vine. I believe what that means is this. The vine was an image for Israel. But Jesus is the new Israel. Jesus now is where the hopes and the dreams of God for the human race resides. So Jesus says, I am the true vine and we are the branches connected to this vine, and God is the gardener. We see here in the text that God has called us to produce fruit, and as a matter of fact, to produce much fruit. What does it mean, church, to produce fruit? I think certainly it means that we produce other disciples. We know that uh, the mission statement of the United Methodist Church is we exist to make disciples for Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So certainly as we produce other disciples, we are bearing fruit. As we multiply ministries here in this world, we are bearing fruit. But when we look at the New Testament, it's hard to hear the word fruit without thinking about Paul's list of the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, Paul lists for us the fruit of the Spirit. You perhaps recall that list. It starts off with love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit. And sometimes we live such frustrated lives because we want to produce these characteristics in our lives, but we're trying to produce these characteristics through our own power. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul calls these fruit of the Spirit. That means they are fruit that are produced by the Spirit. It's the Spirit within us that produces this fruit, and we will frustrate ourselves if we try to produce these characteristics on our own. Because we are branches connected to the vine, this fruit can be produced in us. Obviously, in this text, we see that God loves us so much, and hold on to this, God loves us so much that God will prune us to make sure that we're fruitful. God will prune us. I think that means that God will work in our lives to take away whatever it is that hinders the fruitfulness of God in our lives. C.S. Lewis, in his classic work, The Problem of Pain, called this the intolerable compliment 
God loves us so much that He refuses to stop bothering us. God loves us so much, He refuses to let us be and leave us as we are. God loves us so much that He will prune us. God will continue to work in our lives to produce those characteristics that God wants to produce in our lives, the fruit, the fruit of making other disciples, the fruit of the Spirit. And we know that sometimes that pruning hurts a great deal. But we also know that that pruning is so important. Again, I know very little about gardening, but I've been told by people who grow beautiful roses that if you don't prune those rose bushes, you'll get a lot of small inferior roses, but if you prune the rose bushes and give the roses enough space, you can grow some large, splendid roses. So God prunes us to make sure that we can be fruitful followers of Christ. And we do know that the pruning oftentimes, perhaps most of the time, feels rather painful. So church, I want you to understand that when the pruning becomes painful, that is when the gardener is closest to the plant. God loves us so much, He has paid us an intolerable compliment. He will prune us so that we might be fruitful. You see, God, God really does want to fill this universe with millions of little replicas of himself. That's why God will work in our lives to help us become more and more Christ-like. That's how God will fill the universe with little replicas of himself. We follow the Christ. We are Christians. That literally means little Christ, and God will keep working in our lives until we bear fruit throughout the course of our lives. So God has called us to produce fruit. God has called us to produce much fruit. God loves us so much. God will do the work to prune us, to help us develop the fruit that we need to develop in this world. And the way that we produce much fruit is is dependent upon us abiding in Christ. That word occurs over and over in this section. We are called to abide in Christ. We are called to remain in Christ. Jesus is our life source. To cut ourselves off from our life source is completely ridiculous. Jesus is our life source. As branches, we must stay connected to the vine to receive the source of life that's provided for us, to get the gift of life that is provided for us. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, I think it means several things. It certainly means that we stay in the community that seeks to abide in Christ. We cannot do this by ourselves. We cannot go it alone. It was John Wesley who said that there is no such thing as a solitary Christian. 
When you look at the Bible, if you look at the Old Testament, when God wanted to do something in the world, he called out a people. He created the people of Israel. When you look in the New Testament, you see that God wants to do something in the world. Jesus calls forth his disciples, the church. There is no such thing as a solitary Christian. As soon as we answer the call of Christ, it is a call to become part of the body of Christ. And it is absolutely ridiculous for us to cut ourselves off from the life that we can receive in this community. That's why gathering is important. We need to stay part of that community that knows Christ, that loves Christ. We need to continue to live as worshipful people, worshiping communally, together, worshiping privately, daily, in our individual lives. We need to stay as people of prayer, which means we become prayerful people. To be prayerful people means that we stay connected. We stay in fellowship throughout all of life with our source of life. There is so much in life that wants to separate us from the vine. And you see in the text what happens to vines that become separated, uh, branches that become separated from the vine. If you keep reading the text here in John 15, you'll see that the branches that become separated from the vine are burned because they're useless. We need to abide in Christ, and that's where, that's where we have to cooperate. We have to cooperate with the Spirit's work in our lives. We have to put ourselves in those places and do those things where Jesus is happening. So I know that for me, I have to be very, very careful and never give myself an opportunity or a chance to forget about him. I have to stay mindful so that I can abide in Christ. We are so dependent, just as a branch is dependent upon the vine. So we have to stay connected. Friends, my prayer for you, for us, is that we will grow day by day developing more deeply our friendship, our companionship with Jesus Christ. Don't let anything hinder your growth. Don't let anything prevent you from bearing fruit, from bearing much fruit. I want to invite you into a few moments of prayer so that the Spirit may finish this message in your heart, in your life. I want to invite you into a few moments of prayers as we offer our lives back to Jesus Christ and ask Jesus to do his remarkable work in us. Would you pray with me?
God, we thank you for the ways that your word cleanses us, your word prunes us, your word helps us to be healthy and strong and vibrant as we seek to live as followers of Christ in this world. May nothing, may nothing come between you and us in life. But may all of life, the good and the bad, the joy and the misery, all somehow draw us closer to you and help us to bear more fruit. We offer our lives to you, Lord, and we do, we do pray that you will indeed be Lord of all of our lives. We ask this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.